Hello everyone, what is up? And welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct, you guys. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Before we get started, make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button, that way you never miss an episode. We post every Wednesday on the podcast and then again every Thursday on YouTube as well if you would like to watch the video version. Now, as you guys can tell by the title of today's episode, today we are talking about the crazy recently solved case, very recently actually, of the Halderson family and what happened that led Bart and Krista Halderson to be brutally and viciously attacked by the one that was supposed to love them the most. And this case, you guys, is a whirlwind. It is frustrating and I'm going to go over why at the very end of it and give you my thoughts and feelings on everything as I'm sure you guys are going to have your own as well and I cannot wait to hear what you have to say about it. So with that being said, let's jump right on into it today. So this case begins with Bart and Krista Halderson. They live in Dane County, Wisconsin, but more specifically, they were living in the town of Windsor. Now Krista was 53 years old at this time and Bart Halderson was 50. Krista was a stay-at-home mom to her two children, Mitchell and Chandler. However, once they reached adulthood, she ended up going back to work. So last year at this time, she was working at a place called Zimbrick, which is basically a auto company. They sell new and used cars in Wisconsin. So she worked as a receptionist there. And Bart, actually worked as an accountant. He was very financially savvy and he worked as a tax managing director for a company called BDO USA. Now, Bart was a very work-oriented person. That is how he was described by his oldest son, Mitchell, and that caused him to be absent from the home a lot of the time. However, when he was able to be at home, he really was a great dad. There was nothing poor to say about his parenting style or his parenting ability. He really did try and push his kids to be the best versions of themselves and reach their fullest potential. And as far as Krista goes, Krista was described by Mitchell as kind of the stereotypical helicopter parent. And if you don't know what a helicopter parent is, a helicopter parent is basically a parent who is all up and involved in their child's business, where they're going, what they're doing, what's going on in their lives. And that just is a testament to show how much Krista's children were her world. She was so invested in her kids, so invested in their lives, really used any excuse to talk to them, to catch up with them, even in them going into adulthood and Mitchell going on and living a independent adult life. Chandler, we'll get to in a second, but Mitchell was always saying that, you know, his mom would use any excuse to call him or to text him. So from their childhood up into their adult life, that did not change. So let's talk about Chandler and Mitchell. So this whole case begins in July of 2021. So like I said, it was very recent. This happened last year. And at this time, Mitchell was about 24, 25 years old and Chandler was 23. And Chandler and Mitchell growing up, they got along pretty well. They had a very kind of standard sibling relationship. 
They liked playing video games together. They were both very tech savvy. And so they kind of got along in that regard. And shortly before all of this occurred, Mitchell was actually hospitalized a month prior because he got diagnosed with type one diabetes. And that diagnosis led him to have to stay in the hospital for a little bit. And Chandler ended up sending Mitchell kind of like a get well gift, but it wasn't your typical get well gift. Chandler sent Mitchell a bullet from a gun and wrote the words get well soon on the bullet. I think it's a little weird. Now, like I said, Mitchell at this time definitely had his life together and he still does have his life together. He's living a very independent, kind of stereotypically normal adult life. He's working in the tech business and he is engaged to be married. He's living in a house. So he kind of has his life set. He's kind of on the track to living that stereotypical adult life and what kind of everyone really reaches for and what everyone wants. He has the love life. He's got the job. He's got the house. Like Mitchell kind of seemed to have it all together. And then there's Chandler. Now Chandler was 23 years old, like I said, and he was still living at home and there's no shame in that, but he was living at home. He didn't have a job. He spent the entirety of his day playing video games and hanging out with his girlfriend. And while living at home, he had the luxury of his parents doing everything for him. They cooked for him. They did his laundry They really waited on him hand and foot, especially his mother, because like I said earlier, Krista just loved her children and she wanted them to be happy. However, Bart and Krista were kind of getting to the point where they were like, all right, what's next for you? Like, what are you doing with your life? Kind of like, what's the next step? Where's the next chapter? And Chandler really didn't have any motivation whatsoever. However, Chandler spent a lot of his time trying to convince people that he had his life together and we will, we're going to get all into it. So this case really begins on July 2nd of 2021. So again, very, very recently. And according to Chandler, on July 2nd of 2021, Bart and Krista had gone up to a cabin that their family owned and they would visit it quite frequently. The cabin was located in Langlade County, Wisconsin, and it was on a lake and it was actually a family cabin. The boy's grandfather was the one to build the cabin. So according to Mitchell, it was a very, you know, run-of-the-mill very much like a log cabin. When you think of a log cabin, that was this cabin. And Krista and Bart went and visited this cabin ever so often. They especially went in the summers because obviously the summer on the lake at a cabin, who wouldn't want to go up there? So they went about three or four times every summer. Sometimes they would go by themselves. Sometimes they would go with the boys, their sons, or sometimes they would go with different friends that they had, different couple friends, and they would all go up for the weekend and, you know, just relax and unplug. However, on July 2nd, 2021, Chandler said that his parents left for the cabin at 6.15 a.m. with an unknown couple. Chandler said he had never seen or heard of these people before. However, he wasn't given their names either. So he didn't know who they were going up with and they left very early according to Chandler, 6.15 a.m. And they also drove in this couple's car. So his parents' cars were still at home, still in the garage. 
because Krista and Bart went up with this unknown couple and the couple was driving. And according to Chandler, Bart and Krista brought with them a decent amount of cash as well as a decent amount of alcohol. And this was gonna kind of be like a 4th of July trip, Chandler said, and he said his parents were excited about it. And so on July 1st, 2021, the day before they left, that was the last day that Chandler ever saw his parents. And he said that on July 1st, everything was fine. They weren't acting weird. They weren't acting strange. They were just getting ready for this trip that they were taking the very next day. So again, July 2nd rolls around, they leave at 6.15. Now what's weird here is that Krista was actually scheduled for a shift at her job on July 2nd that she just simply did not show up to. And according to Krista's coworkers, Krista was a very responsible and timely person. She would never just no show to work or not call in. So her coworkers got a little worried when she just didn't show up. So they tried calling her, however, there was no answer. Now, between July 2nd and July 7th, which you'll understand why July 7th is important in a second. However, between those days, Chandler really just kind of went about his normal life. He spent a lot of time hanging out at his girlfriend's house, or now his ex-girlfriend's name was Kat. And him and Kat spent a lot of time together. They hung out at Kat's mom's house. And for all things considered, for the five days leading up until July 7th, Chandler was acting pretty normal. But on July 7th, this is when Chandler started to get worried. Now, according to Kat and Kat's mother, because again, Chandler had been spending a lot of time with them, Chandler had disclosed to them that he hadn't heard from his parents. He hadn't really been able to get a hold of them. He thought it was a little weird, but he wasn't too worried about it. And Kat and her mother, Dulce, really didn't think too much about it. They just, you know, thought that he would hear from them eventually. So one of Krista's best friends is named Jane and Jane and Krista had known each other since middle school and they were so incredibly close. They would talk literally every day. So after Jane hadn't heard from Krista in about two or three days right after they left to go to the cabin, Jane got a little concerned and she reached out to Chandler who told Jane that, you know, it's fine. They went up to the cabin. Don't worry. However, by July 7th, when that date rolled around and Jane still hadn't heard from Krista, Jane decided to reach out to Mitchell. And when Jane called Mitchell, she told him, you know, your parents went up to the cabin. I haven't been able to hear from them. And this was actually a surprise to Mitchell because Mitchell did not know that his parents had gone up to the cabin. And his parents going up to the cabin was not the weird part. It was the fact that Mitchell didn't know that they were going up to the cabin. Like I mentioned earlier, Krista used any excuse that she could to talk to her boys. And Mitchell said that Krista reaching out to him just to you know check in and say hey your dad and I are going up to the cabin was definitely something that she would have done so Mitchell was kind of taken back by the fact that he wasn't aware of this now shortly after Mitchell got that phone call from Jane Mitchell actually got a text from Chandler and Chandler told Mitchell that he himself was starting to get worried over the fact that they hadn't heard from their parents yet because again it was very unlike them however Mitchell you know he tried to rationalize all of this and think you know why aren't they texting back is it because there's no service what could it be but he also wanted to try and figure out 
who this couple was that their parents went up to the cabin with. And according to Mitchell, he thought of three different couples that could have possibly gone up with his parents. One of those couples was Jane and her husband. And clearly Jane and her husband were not up there with Bart and Krista. So that left two other couples. And Mitchell then called those two couples separately and asked if they were with their parents, to which each of them said no. And that left him a little suspicious about what was going on. Now there was one kind of glimmer of hope in all of this, and that was the fact that Krista had actually texted Chandler on the 4th of July and was just touching base with him. So based off of that text, it did give everyone like a little bit of hope because at that point it had only been three days since no one had heard from them. Because again, the timeline looks like Krista and Bart leave on the 2nd, they're not heard from from the 2nd and the 3rd. However, on July 4th, Krista sends a text to Chandler, basically just checking in, and then they don't hear from them again on the 5th, 6th, or 7th. And so that three days of time, having not heard from them, caused a lot of people that knew them to worry. So by July 7th, after Jane had spoken to Mitchell, Jane and her husband actually decided that they were going to drive up to the cabin themselves and see if Bart and Krista were there. That is how unusual it was for no one to have heard from them. So once Jane and her husband got there, not only did they find out that Bart and Krista were not at the cabin, it didn't look like they were ever there to begin with. The house and yard looked very unkept and it just didn't look like anyone had gone in the inside or the outside of the cabin. And that is when Jane called Chandler and basically told her, listen, we're at the cabin right now and it doesn't look like your parents were ever here. And Chandler's first response to this, weirdly enough, was to ask Jane if she had seen any bullet casings or blood anywhere throughout the cabin. A little weird, little weird thing to say. Which I guess one could argue that that would be something that you could ask, you know, do you see anything? Like, is there any blood? Is there any shell casings? However, to be very specific and just ask about those two things, it's almost a little too specific. Now, it was July 7th that a missing persons report was officially filed for Bart and Krista Halderson at around 11.30 a.m. and Chandler was actually the one that filed the missing persons report. Now, shortly after the missing persons report was filed, Mitchell decided that he was going to go up to the cabin himself this time and just walk the property, see if he could figure out anything or see anything, and he was actually met by detectives at the property. He got there first, so he decided to walk the property by himself one time and then again with detectives. Mitchell said that nothing looked out of place at the property, and once they went inside, nothing looked touched or used. So it really kind of solidified the idea that Bart and Krista didn't look like they were ever at this cabin. So now we move on to the next day, which is July 8th, and this is the day after the missing persons report was filed, and Chandler started kind of going around to different news outlets, talking about what happened to his parents, saying that he wanted them to come back, he just wanted answers, and that's kind of how he spent his morning on July 8th. It was that day as well that Jane's daughters actually went over to the Halderson house, which is where Chandler was, 
just because they wanted to check in with him and see how he was doing. And they said that pretty automatically they could tell that something was very, very off with Chandler. His demeanor was very strange. They kind of, you know, always thought of him as the warmer brother out of the two. And Chandler's demeanor this time was very cold and very standoffish. And one of Jane's daughters actually described it as she felt in that moment that she was in the middle of a crime scene. She couldn't describe why, that's just the feeling that she got. And there was a lot of furniture things that were kind of out of place in the house. For example, the kitchen table was turned on its side and all of the furniture in the basement was covered. Now Chandler also made it a note to tell the girls to never ever hand their phone over to police if they wanted to see it. Now it's not really certain as to why he told them that, but he did say never hand your phone over to the police and if they do want to see it, just screenshot everything that they want to see and send that to them instead. Now, another thing that happened in this case in the early morning hours of July 8th, so before the girls came over, before Chandler started talking to the news stations, Chandler actually walked over to the Halderson's neighbor, who was actually a former Madison Police Department detective, and this man's name was Kevin Linsmeyer. And Kevin got a knock on the door from Chandler, and Chandler basically asked Kevin if Kevin's ring doorbell would have been able to see anything from across the street on the day his parents went to the cabin. Now Chandler did say that he just wanted to see if he could identify the car that his parents got into or what their state of being was or who the unknown couple was that they got into the car with. So that was kind of Chandler's reasoning and he did ask that Kevin give that footage specifically to him. So that's what Chandler was doing on the early morning hours. However, while he was doing all of that, police were on to something else. Before we move any further, I do want to take a moment and thank our sponsors for today's video. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, apartments.com's instant alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, apartments Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. So while Chandler was out and about doing his thing, hanging out with his girlfriend and talking to the news and seeing family and friends and talking to neighbors and all of that, police were doing their own separate investigation obviously and they were working very diligently and very efficiently and on july 8th police actually got word that there had been partial human remains found in the woods on a property in cottage grove now cottage grove is about 20 minutes away from where the haldersons lived and the remains that were found on the property were actually just the torso of bart halderson 
Now you may be sitting there wondering whose property were these remains found on? That would be Chandler Halderson's girlfriend, Kat. So let me break this down for you. So this Cottage Grove property legally belongs to Kat's mother, so Dulce's partner. And Dulce's partner's name is Crescent, and I believe she also goes by Chris. However, it was her property, and this was a very large property. And it's I'm not completely aware if Kat lived at this property. However, they did spend a lot of time there because Chandler was very familiar with the property. He would go over there with Kat a lot. Kat, Dulce, Chandler, as well as Kat's brother and Crescent, they would all hang out there together. So Chandler was very familiar with this property. And like I said, this was a very very large property and there was a lot of wooded areas surrounding the property. This property was big enough that they would have little like dune buggy-esque cars that they would drive around the property to like go and mow the grass or go to the pool or something like that. Now on July 5th of 2021, so just three days after Chandler's parents were missing, Chandler actually went to the property by himself, which is not something he ever would have done. He was met there by Dulce and he asked if it was okay if he went and used the pool by himself. And Dulce knew that he hadn't been talking to his parents. There was a weird situation going on there. So she said, sure, go use the pool. And she noticed that at first Chandler actually never went into the pool. Chandler instead walked off into the wooded area for about an hour to an hour and a half before coming back to where the pool area was. He then walked away for a second time, and this time he kind of walked over to where a shed was on the property, but Dulce said that she couldn't really see what he was doing. So she did think it was weird, but she couldn't really tell what was going on. And then the second time that he came back to the pool area, he actually got into the pool this time, and Dulce said that he was kind of putting water on himself as if he was washing himself off. Now you might be wondering why police were even tipped off to look into the woods on the Cottage Grove property to begin with, and that's because police were able to track Chandler's cell phone, and it showed that on July 5th, so again, the three days after Chandler's parents went missing, he was at the Cottage Grove property, which we are aware of. However, weirdly enough, this is where Snapchat Maps comes into play here. If you're unfamiliar with Snapchat Maps or Snap Maps, it's basically on the app Snapchat. If you have your location services on, you will be able to see pretty much exactly where they are in the world. And when police looked into that, they were able to discover that Chandler was at the Cottage Grove property, but more specifically, he was in the woods of the Cottage Grove property and he was there for about an hour hour and a half like i said and police thought that that was definitely suspicious so that is why they went and looked in there and that is where they found bart halderson's torso now on the night of july 8th police brought in chandler halderson for questioning by this point they had already looked into chandler's laptop and noticed that between july 1st and july 6th there were no google searches however on the morning of july 8th chandler was googling things such as wisconsin dismembered body found dead body found in wisconsin 
Body Found in Wisconsin and Body Found Wisconsin, as well as making separate searches of just Krista and Bart Halderson. So they brought Chandler in on the night of July 8th, and after an hour and a half long of questioning, Chandler was actually arrested, and he was arrested for providing false information on a missing persons case. Now, at this point, they were just trying to find something to kind of keep Chandler in custody for, which they were able to do because he did provide false information on a missing persons case, because all of these little things that were starting to piece together, it was starting to become more and more clear that Chandler Halderson more than likely was responsible for his parents' murder. Now, like we said, Bart Halderson's torso was discovered on July 8th, and that led police to conclude that Bart Halderson was completely murdered. However, Krista Halderson had not been discovered yet, and police at that point were trying to be optimistic, thinking that maybe Krista was still out there alive, so she was still considered a missing person. Then on July 11th, police were granted a search warrant to search through Bart and Krista's home that Chandler also lived in, and they were able to recover Krista and Bart's cell phones. Now, both of their cell phones were wrapped in tinfoil and stuffed inside a shoe in the family garage. Now, when they looked through Krista's cell phone, they were able to track that on the night of July 1st, the day before Chandler said they left to go to this cabin, Krista returned home from work at about 5.12 p.m. They were able to figure out that Krista's phone was then turned off for about three days right before midnight on July 2nd. So on the late hours of July 1st, her phone was turned off. Her phone was off for about three days, and then on July 4th, her phone was actually turned on, but only for seven minutes. During that time, pretty much almost immediately after her phone was turned on at 11.02 a.m., Krista's phone received a text from Chandler saying, quote, hoping this goes through. I bet there's a lot of people up there making it hard to message, end quote. Then at 11.04, a message was sent from Krista's phone to Chandler saying that they made it safely to the cabin and they were planning on going to a parade in White Lake that day. However, Krista's phone was then turned off again shortly after at 11.09 a.m. Now, police were able to look and see where exactly those texts were sent from, both from Chandler's phone and from Krista's phone. Now, obviously, Chandler's phone showed that those texts were sent from the Halderson house. However, Krista's phone should have showed that those texts were sent from the cabin. However, those texts showed that Krista's phone sent those messages from the Halderson house. So both the messages that Chandler was sending off his phone and the messages that were coming off of Krista's phone were both being sent from the same household, which obviously means that Chandler was the one that was texting from his cell phone and sending the text messages from his mother's cell phone, trying to make it look like she was up in the cabin and everything was all good and dandy. So on July 12th, which was four days after those partial remains were found in Cottage Grove, they were officially identified as belonging to Bart Halderson. And at that point, Chandler had been in custody for three 
days on the providing false information charge. However, this day, three new charges were added now that they had the confirmation that this was Bart Halderson. The three new charges were first degree intentional homicide, hiding a corpse, and mutilating a corpse. Then on July 14th, police followed a tip that they received of someone who said that they saw Chandler in the town of Roxbury around the time frame of July 2nd to July 7th. And the police went and followed that tip. And when they did, they discovered again, more partial remains. A week and a half later on July 30th, those remains were identified as belonging to Krista Halderson. And again, like I said, these were just partial remains and these remains were Krista's legs. Now, while we do know that Bart Halderson died from gunshot wounds, that is what the autopsy reported, it is unclear what exactly was Krista's cause of death. Now let's talk about the murder weapons used in this, specifically the ones that we know, like I said, we don't really know how Krista was killed, what her official cause of death was. However, we do know that both Bart and Krista were dismembered after they died. That is what the medical examiner concluded on both of them. But the gunshot wounds that killed Bart Halderson, the gun that was used was actually gifted to Chandler by a friend of his, a friend that he met while playing video games just about a month prior. It was an SKS rifle and the gun was also found at the Cottage Grove property. Now, when it comes to the dismembering, the medical examiners were able to conclude that two different types of saws were used in this. The first was a hacksaw, and that hacksaw was found on the Cottage Grove property, and the other is an alloy saw, and this also was found on the Cottage Grove property. It is mind-blowing to me that Chandler used his girlfriend's mother's partner's house as the dump site for basically all the murder weapons and for the partial remains of his father. Now, along with that, forensics also showed that there were bone fragments found in the Halderson home vacuum cleaner, as well as the fireplace. Chandler quite literally tried to vacuum up his parents' bone fragments. There were also 200 bone fragments found in the fireplace, which included bones from human skulls as well as teeth, and this led forensics to believe that Chandler attempted to burn both of his parents' heads in that fireplace. So on August 25th of 2021, Chandler was charged with all four charges I mentioned earlier, however, he was charged with them now twice. So now he was facing eight charges in total, which was two sets of the same four charges that I mentioned earlier. Now let's talk about what you're probably sitting here and wondering, which is why on earth did this happen? What led Chandler Halderson to brutally attack his parents and dismember him? Now, Chandler Halderson seemed to have it all. He had the girlfriend, he had the loving parents, he had the great brother, he was living in a nice house with basically all expenses paid because he didn't have to pay rent, he didn't have to pay for utilities or his car. He was basically waited on hand and foot. His laundry was being done for him. His parents were paying for his food, all of it. So what led Chandler to do this? Well. So the thing is with Chandler, 
is he was practically living a double life. He told his parents that he was attending Madison College as well as working at American Family Insurance. And along with all of that, he said that he was working for different dive units for the Madison Police Department. And he also claimed that he was getting a job at SpaceX, which was located in Florida. Now, the problem here is that none of that is true. Chandler Halderson never went to Madison College, and he was not working for American Family Insurance, and his parents were catching on. Now, because he was still living at home, his parents were pretty much able to track everything that he was doing, and they were continuously checking in on him and asking for his transcripts and making sure that he was up and ready for his meetings that, he, that did not exist at American Family Insurance. Now, Bart was starting to get a little fed up with this and he was starting to kind of call his son out on his bullshit. So he would basically ask Chandler for transcripts or just proof that Chandler was attending this college. And so Chandler put Bart on an email chain with some of the faculty at Madison College just to, you know, say, listen, can I have my transcripts? I just need to prove that I go here. And the faculty were like, oh yeah, it's all good. We'll send you them. Everything is fine. You go here, you're a student here. Now the problem, as we know, Chandler Halderson was not a student at Madison College, and Chandler Halderson had created several different email accounts to make it look as if he was emailing with faculty from Madison College. And so then he would send those to his dad and be like, see dad, everything's fine. Everything was not fine. Chandler was lying the whole time. Chandler even went to the extent of giving Bart a phone number for one of the faculty that worked at Madison College, but in reality, it was a phone number to a burner phone that Chandler had bought. And Chandler was the one that was on the phone with his dad having this over the phone meeting confirming that Chandler went to Madison. And Bart even kind of picked up on the fact that the guy on the phone sounded weirdly similar to his son. Now, what Bart ended up doing is Bart ended up calling Madison College himself directly, the reception office, and basically posed as Chandler and was basically trying to see what information he could get out of this receptionist. And when he did that, he realized, because the receptionist told him, that Chandler did not go to that school. So that is how Bart actually found out. And so Bart realized then that all of this was a lie. So once Bart figured this out, him and Chandler actually set up a meeting at Madison College for 1 p.m. on July 1st. Now, this is the suspected day that Bart and Krista were killed. Bart texted Chandler, I'm ready whenever you are, about 50 minutes before forensics say that he was murdered. So Chandler was basically living his entire life as a lie, and it came to the point where all of his lies were unraveling. On September 1st of 2021, Chandler appeared in court for arraignment on the charges which he pled not guilty to. The trial began in mid-January and lasted nine days, and after the jury deliberated for two hours, they found that Chandler Halderson is guilty of murdering his parents. 
He was found guilty on two counts of first-degree intentional homicide and guilty of providing false information on a kidnapping, as well as two counts of mutilating a corpse and hiding a corpse. Now, Chandler's actually set to be sentenced on March 17th. You guys will hear this episode if you're listening to it on the podcast on March 9th, or if you're watching me on YouTube, March 10th. So we have about a week to find out what his sentencing will be. More than likely, Chandler will be spending the rest of his life in prison, and so deservingly so. What's so frustrating about this case to me is there are so many people out there who want and desire everything that Chandler had. They want the loving parents. They even want the helicopter parents. They want the parents that talk to you 24-7. They want the parents that care about what their child is doing. Chandler had everything going for him and he threw it all away. So that is the case of Chandler Halderson and Barton Krista Halderson. And my heart sincerely goes out to everyone who loved this family, not Chandler. I mean, Barton Krista. And I, when I say that, I mean, Mitchell, I mean, Jane, I mean, everyone who loves this family, my heart just breaks because this was so preventable. This was a result of Chandler's cowardly and ignorant actions. And that's just what really frustrates me on this, but I cannot wait to hear what you guys have to say about it. So with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you're new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I'm your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you go ahead and hit that subscribe button. That way you never miss an episode. We post weekly here on the podcast every Wednesday and then again, every Thursday on YouTube and you're not gonna wanna miss it. I'll be back next week with a brand new one. And until then, stay safe. Bye guys. Guys.